What? The granola bars are good? Yes. Okay, you can bring the granola bars. There's a picture in the back, but you can bring granola bars for that if you would like. So whatever you want. Kids will eat anything as long as it doesn't taste like the box. That's the only rule, okay? Don't buy healthy cereal. That's a sin. Lucky Charms are definitely of God, okay? For sure. For sure. Anyway, well, I, again, I appreciate uh, Jim filling in last week for me. I forgot to move this. Filling in for me last week as I was going. We were kind of deciding who was going because normally he'll go or do something like that. When We've got a few churches around here that we do a lot of work with. And so uh, it was a blessing for them, and, and definitely I hope it was a blessing for you. Uh, Jim is a man of the Spirit. I don't know if you guys know him well enough. I know he uh, he's, may not be the most eloquent of speakers, right, Paul? But uh but that man hears from the Holy Spirit, and it's so crucial to have people like that around because, um, man, when he says, God told me, I know God told him. And I'll tell you guys a story. When we were in the process of moving here eight years ago, um, we were putting our house on the market out in Hastings, and we were back and forth, and uh, we'd had it up for a couple of weeks, and we'd had some showings, but no hits, and just couldn't figure out what was going on because we'd done a lot of work to the house. Realtor said, this thing is going to sell so fast, and it's kind of stressful. And so I just was praying, I'm like, God... Bring the right buyer. If we're overpriced, let us know. Bring it down. Whatever. And, I mean, not five minutes later, I get a text message from Jim just saying, hey, I just want to let you know that I was praying this morning. Don't worry about the house. It will sell. I was like, okie dokie. So whatever Jim says, right? Thus saith the Lord. So it's good to have people like that around. And there's a lot of people around like that. But it's just good to have people that we can lean on and, and for those types of things. And so, um, but with that, as we kind of, as we're getting into this newer series here about in his image, it's understanding what that means because it's so crucial. I think this is the missing element to the body of Christ today. And why I say that is because you would never question whether anybody in the book of Acts understood or wondered who they were in Christ. Because they kind of, most of them hung out with Christ and he kind of explained it to them and they kind of got it at one point or another. And so they were doing all of these things, but they weren't doing it underneath their own power or anything like that. They were just simply being God's representative. And, and what I want you to understand is that that was God's design from the word go. From the very beginning, God's design was that man would rule and reign and represent him on this earth. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female, he created them. And then God blessed him and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, if we're being perfectly honest, we realize that being fruitful, we have been. Right? Multiplying, we have been. Those are not the same thing. We got the multiplication down really, really well. Not if the common core type, but the real multiplication, right? We've got that part down. But the fruitful, I mean, you, we, we argue today and we look at this current generation that's been, been growing up. And we're like, this may be the laziest generation that we've ever had. But frankly, and there may be truth to that, but it's because of all the things that happened before that's allowed it to be. Do you realize you don't have to be smart anymore? You just have to have access to Google. I mean, think about that. I've told you guys, and I was sharing this at the, last, uh, the church the other day, uh, but, but it's like when I was growing up, I had questions that you really couldn't, no pastor I had met, no minister could seem to answer these questions that I had. And they were based on the world around us, the things I was seeing, the things I was hearing, not from the church. 
Well, at that point in time, we didn't have Google. It didn't exist. There were not resources at your fingertip. If you didn't know about it, you didn't know the answer. But today, my goodness, well, why does all of this exist? Why is life so much easier in America today than, say, it was 100 years ago? Because people were fruitful. And because of that, it's allowed us to be a little more fruitless. And you think about that, it's the exact same thing that happened with the nation of Israel. As Moses was getting ready to die, and he's there getting ready to go, and in the book of Deuteronomy, his last hurrah, he kind of tells him, he said, listen, when you get there, you didn't dig those wells, you didn't plant those vineyards, you did not build that house. You didn't do any of this. The Lord your God has done all of this, provided it was bought through the hands of other people. Don't forget where it came from. And what did they do? They forgot where it came from. What do we do? We forget where it came from. I mean, you just think about this. This church building today at one point sold tractors and, and like parts for cars and, and all of that. And you come in today and we're all like, man, you know, we like the paint and we like the tile and we like this and we like that. Or maybe you don't. I don't really care. I didn't put any of it in here. But the bottom line is if somebody built that, some of you may have helped build that. The first pastor they hired was kind of convenient. He was an old contractor. And he liked to work with his hands and hang drywall at 4 a.m., which means he's also a psychopath, but whatever. But I mean, you think about that. Where would we be if it were not on the shoulders of people who came before us? So we've got the multiply, but what about the fruit aspect? God designed man from the very beginning with the command, be fruitful and to multiply. Be productive. And so we've seen this and how that man is the express image or representative of God. Was from the beginning, it was God's design. Man then sinned, handed over his authority because it had been given to him. And what is given to you, you can do with what you want. As an example, if I give somebody a car and then two weeks later they decide to sell it, should I be upset? No, it's not my car anymore. It's their car. You can do with it whatever. You can paint that thing lime green if you want to. Do whatever you want. If I give my children something and they do something dumb with it, I mean, at some point, most people want to give their children an inheritance. Should I be upset if they get squandered? No, it's theirs now. Do with it what you want, but live with the consequences of your choices. That's essentially what's happened here. God gave to man his authority to represent him on the earth, to fill the earth and subdue it. And man handed that authority over to the enemy. Now, throughout history, there was nothing man could do about it. There was nothing man could do to make him right with God. You've got the commandments and the law and all of that, but all that did was show you there was nothing you could do to be right with God. But then Jesus came. Now look at Colossians 1, verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God. What is He? Who is He? Jesus is He. What is He? He's the image, the imager, the representative of the God that you and I cannot see. The firstborn over all creation. There's an authority portion there. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things He may have the preeminence. So Jesus came as the representative of God. And as I told you, man, God's imager, broke God's law. His authority handed over to Satan. Jesus, in the form of a man, as God's imager, was wrongfully put to death because the wages of sin is death. Therefore, he did not sin. He could not be put to death. But death could not hold him because death is defeated through his resurrection. And what does he do? He restores man to himself and reinstates his authority. How? He's the head, is seated at the right hand of the Father. Where's the church? With Him. 
You see, we've got to understand that. From the beginning, man was created to be the image of God. Jesus comes back as the image of God, as a man, to do what man could not do on his own. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, let's just look at this. It says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so now we see it okay he is seated at the right hand of the father what is above him nothing nothing name no principality no power no attack of the enemy is above him but what do we do on this earth we invoke carnal methods because of the fruitlessness that we have in the united states what do we do when sickness comes rush to the doctor there's nothing wrong with doctors but is that god's original design is that god's plan no we're going to get into this healing piece but understand this when an attack comes from the enemy is there anything we should fear no can he do anything to us that we don't allow no so if you've allowed it what do you immediately do change take authority over it you see the church is weak and fruitless today because we have transformed the power of God into something that looks more like the Wizard of Oz. Because what has church become today? Entertainment. It has become a spectator sport where you show up and the band, they kill it. I mean, not this one because I'm leading it. But normal bands, they were, they were doing pretty good on their own before I got involved. They kill it. like, oh man, I like that song. Or I don't like that. Whatever. And then the pastor gets up and has got illustrations. I mean, you got guys coming in from zip lines and riding motorcycles into the auditorium. Now, I've seen elephants get brought in, and I love all that. That's cool. Except we've exchanged the power of God for that because we want to draw people in. I'm telling you, just so you guys know, if one of the local churches decides they're bringing an elephant up on their stage one Sunday, we're all going to watch and see who gets to clean up the mess after. This is going to be awesome. But we've changed the encounter with God to a, 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 an idea of God. And we don't have power behind us anymore. We have this illusion of power. Because when you pull back the curtain, you got a bunch of people just doing a bunch of things, just keeping people on the status quo. And we're more concerned about morality than we are spirituality and changing ourselves into the image of God. We've got to understand who He is so that we can understand who we are. And it's not about you and I as if, oh, we're something special. It's who He says we are. Would you want anything less? I mean, imagine, if you will, if you struggle to pay your light bill, but in your bank account is a million dollars. All you have to do is tap into it. I'll tell you a true story. This happened a few years ago. A gentleman that I knew over in Auburn, his wife had passed away. It's fairly unexpected. I mean, they were older. So when you hit a certain age, it's always a little expected, right? And he is just stressing out about money. 
I, and I mean stressing out. And so I get a phone call and they said, would you please go and visit with him and, and maybe look at his finances and stuff. I said, sure, I'd be glad to. I've known this man the better part of my entire life. So I go over there and I'm sitting down with him and Isaac, who was much younger then, went into his bathroom. And this will give you an idea how he's, and, and he flushed it twice, okay? Because he was like six, right? And the guy freaked out. I was like, I can't afford a second flush. And I'm just thinking, buddy, you may want to spring for that. I mean, you never know what's going on in there. And so we're going through his, his finances. Okay, he's been retired for 20 years. Going through his finances. He has over $300,000 sitting in a retirement account. And I said, um, your bills are about $1,000 a month. You have plenty of money. But that's retirement funds. I said, you're retired. He said, yeah, but we don't touch retirement funds. I'm like, but you're retired. Because his Social Security wasn't enough to cover his monthly bills. And all of this was sitting there, but he just wouldn't tap into it. Because in his mind, you yeah, just don't do that. Now, you sit here and you think that's ludicrous, but I'm telling you, the stress in that man's face was real. And it took some doing, it took some talking to, and, and getting him through that. But the church talks a lot and produces little. And we are the church. So we talk a lot. We seem to produce little. But if Jesus is the right hand of the Father and He's the head and we are the body, that means we are too. And that His name is above every principality, power, and every dark thing that's out there and everything that's named. And that name has been given to us and we should tap into that instead of making excuses for it. Let's go on, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were na by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace we've been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus so here's the thing we have to understand something if you didn't get it before you now know he raised us up with Christ and sat us together in the heavenly places so there should be an expectation of things to take place see we are now God's imager Adam God's imager Jesus God's imager authority transferred to us as God's imager, His representative on this earth. When Jesus says, greater things will you do, I'd settle right now for just the same things. We can worry about greater once we get the same thing. If you're a Nebraska fan, all we talk about is making it to a bowl. And you still have people like, oh, I hope we win the Big Ten this year. I hope we just stop losing. Right? We've been through enough. We've suffered enough. I need a moment. Oh, Lord. But the church needs to wake up. We've got to recognize who we are. You see, from the beginning, God set things up. Man was going to represent Him. Man screwed it up. So we see Adam and we see Jesus. What you may not know is there was something in between there that's still vitally important, but we often overlook it. And we overlook it because we do not understand the Scriptures. But after man falls, you've got a series of events that take place, one of which is the Tower of Babel where God divides the nations 
And if you study this out, I'm not going to go into all of this today, you will see that over each nation that God placed a watcher, a heavenly being, to point people back to Him. They did not do that, but that was His design. And from there, He took a nation from Abraham and said, You are my treasured people. And they were to do something very unique. They were to represent God to the world. Now look at Exodus chapter 19. Verse 3. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from, there, uh, from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now understand this. There's a dozen verses we can look at, but for time's sake, we're not going to. The nation of Israel was to be God's representative. What did he say? Did he say to any other nation that I have brought you to myself? No, only one. To be a special treasure above all people. Do you know what all means? It's all, okay, just in case you were confused. So they were unique, but what were they unique for? To be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A holy nation is a nation set apart. And a kingdom of priests, what is a priest's role? The go-between between God and man. They were to be of which you wanted to come to Yahweh, you wanted to come to God. How did you get there? You got there through the nation of Israel. It was the only way there. And because of that, he puts his name upon them. Now, I want to show you guys something here, and I've talked about this before, but I want you to get this. The name of Jesus, we talk about this all the time. We do things in Jesus' name. Those who believe in Him, all of this stuff. The name of God being upon somebody. When there's a naming of it, there's an ownership of it. And in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this is part of the Ten Commandments, okay? The Ten Commandments are just that. They are ten. They were written by God. There are 613 Levitical laws, various reasons and whys and all that kind of stuff we're not going to get into. But this one here, it says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, this is where the church is screwed up. Because what do we mean when we say that? We assume it means to not use God's name in a cuss word. That's taking. Don't say, Oh my God. What can you say? Oh my gosh. Perfectly acceptable. We don't say, oh my God, we just took his name in vain. Is that what he meant? No. Now, not using God's name in a cuss word, really good thing to do. Or not do, however you want to say that. But that's not what he's talking about. You see, to take on the name of the Lord implies what? He's my owner. I'm his representative. So if we were to take that name in vain, what would that mean? We are not representing Him as He intended to be represented. Now think about that. If the church is the body of Christ, and we're going to use Big C Church globally, okay? You put everything that calls itself a church inside this whole thing. We can argue semantics later. But everything in there that is going to represent Jesus in all His commands and His work and what God had intended for His church to do. How are we doing would you say we're taking the name of God in vain? Absolutely. Because we're invoking God's name onto things that God does not prescribe. We're walking in a powerless and fruitless church, which is not what God prescribed. 
What God prescribed is something completely different. Now let's look at another one. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. You'll be familiar with part of this. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Who is the name going on? The children of Israel. I want you to see this because I want you to get it. So I'm showing you throughout Scripture how God's name was put on them. Who gave Adam his name? God did. Who gave Jesus his name? And you shall name him. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 9. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. What does holy mean? Set apart. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his way, then all peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, in the produce of your ground, and the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you, the Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in a season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or the left to go after other gods and to serve them now there's a lot here but understand this what was the design for the nation of israel his inheritance he said i will establish you as a nation set apart to me now if you walk in my ways then all people of the earth will know that you are called by the name of the lord well how will they know how will they know that that is true well one way that they'll know is by what took place as they're coming out of egypt because he talks about it, as I took you by the hand and led you out of Egypt. And they walk into these places and everybody's freaking out because they heard what happened to Egypt. And nobody wants to be Egypt. But look what else he says. I will grant you plenty of goods. The fruit of your body, the increase of your livestock, the produce of your ground, the land of which I swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to give the rain to your land and his season, and to bless all the work of your hand you shall lend to many nations but shall not borrow and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail and you should be above only and not beneath what will show the world that you have the name of the Lord apparently the good things that are happening now this is an old covenant principle and I pr promise that if you keep my commandments these are the blessings that will happen they didn't do it man how many of y'all have you heard God say this lately? listen if you'll just do everything I tell you this is what will happen to you. We'd all sign up in a heartbeat. We'd make fun of the Israelites for not getting it right, but we wouldn't either. But this was a sign of the world that God's name was upon them. There's a principle behind this today. How do you know God's hand is upon somebody? See the fruit of the works. They didn't say that, um, here, I'll make livestock produce out of thin air for you, and I will, uh, I'll plant for you, and then I'll harvest for you, and I'll do all the work. He enabled them. He enabled them. So understand this, his people were promised with the name of the Lord that the entire world was seeing. What do we call that? It's an ambassadorship. It's a representative. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. We'll start at verse 18. Then King David went 
in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, your Lord, or Lord God, you know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. So in case there was any question of what God's plan was for Israel, what was it? Well, who is like these people? One nation on earth that God redeemed to himself to make a name for himself. The world will know his name through the nation of Israel. Do you guys realize that it is still true today? You and I would not be here if it was not for the nation of Israel being obedient because through them brought forth Messiah. You see, the name upon them made His name known. You guys seeing this? I'm showing you that this is everywhere. Nothing has changed today. Look at Isaiah chapter 43 verse 7 says, everyone who is called by, by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. See about called by his name. Isaiah 63 verse 19. We have become like those of old over whom you never ruled those who never ruled by your name. Now you see the antithesis. They never were called by your name. You see the difference? He never ruled them. They weren't called by his name. Do you see the difference? I want to make sure you guys see this. Because it's important to understand this. Now, as we look at Adam, we see, okay, from the beginning, God's name upon him. Adam, man, created them. Gave authority to him to name everything. Said, fill the earth. Subdue it. Screws it up. God takes a nation to bring another man. This nation, set apart, keep my Sabbaths, for they are holy. Do all of these things that is kind of odd, but He would provide. But if you do, here's the things that are going to happen for you. And the whole world will know that my name is upon you. Fast forward to Jesus. Jesus came as the image of God. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but had made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Who gave Jesus his name? Who gave Adam his name? Who gave Israel their name? You'll no longer be called Jacob, you'll be called Israel. Who gave Jesus his name? Whose name was upon them? Whose name is upon us? You see, all of those people had authority. Every one of them was a representative of God. Every single one of them. Sometimes they took the name of the Lord in vain. Other times they got it right. 
but you and I, under a better covenant with better promises, have to recognize what it is that we are here to do. Look at 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 11. As such were some of you, this, there's a lot of context here, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In the name of what? Of Jesus. We were washed and cleansed. These are Old Testament principles. You were sanctified, justified, made right in the name of Jesus. That is why that when you do that, now you have His name upon you. You are now His body seated at the right hand with Him. And we have a job to do that we're not doing. But that name, when that name's upon you, it's what lets the world know where you are. And I'll dig into that a little bit more next week. But we've all been in a situation where you hear somebody say like, I can't believe a Christian would act like that. And most of the time it's because they're taking a moral stand on something. Sometimes it's not the case. It's like, make sure you remember when you're in traffic and you're about to flip that person off who cut you off, the Jesus fish is on the back of your truck. Okay? Or just take it off. Then nobody knows. It's the name of Jesus. But look at Matthew chapter 28. I want to show you something here that it often gets overlooked. You know this passage, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So how much authority did he have? He had it all. He had it in heaven and he had it on earth. Go therefore, now stop. Therefore means because of. So because of this, I want you to go. And what do I want you to do? I want you to make disciples of all nations. What does it mean to make a disciple? You realize disciples are not born, that they are made. Do you realize that this is not the place where disciples are made? This is the place where the disciples come to be equipped to go and do what? Make disciples. How are we doing, church? Not great. Okay. But watch what he says. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. We're talking about the name. Why do we baptize them in the name? Well, you think about it. If we're talking about water baptism as an example, and we baptize them in that. The name going upon them. The, what is baptism in and of itself? It's a declaration of the world that I died with Christ and now I'm a new life risen with Him. And now we baptize you name in, the, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That name is now upon you. You've just made a declaration to the world that you are a son or a daughter of God. Don't take it in vain. Teaching them, this is the part we skip, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, most people don't even recognize that Jesus had commandments that we were supposed to do and should be doing and need to be doing and stuff, but we'll get into that later. But understand this, that name, the moment that name is put upon you, you now are recognized to the world as a son or daughter of God. You are now an imager of God. That means your desires become smaller and His desires must become greater. And we have to begin to recognize that. We're going to dig into this deeper next week. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. And Lord, I just pray that you open our eyes so we can understand and open our minds, Lord, that we can see and, and understand your word and grasp what you're telling us of who we are in you. And Lord, soften our hearts and we'll swallow our pride to truly be used and be servants of yours. And Lord, that in every aspect of our life brings glory to your name and that we never take a moment for granted, but each and every day that we are on mission for you, looking for opportunities to represent you to the world. And so, Lord, I just pray that you are glorified in every aspect of what we say and do. And we thank you for it. It's in your mighty name. Amen.
Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.